Hello and welcome to episode two of Cricket Scorers Untallied. I'm joined as always by Sue Drinkwater and Jules Farman. When I say joined, we are obviously observing social distancing in the extreme this time by being in three different counties currently. Um, welcome back to those of you who are joining us again and especially welcome to those of you who have found us for the first time. Episode one is still available from your favourite podcast supplier. As we passed 50 downloads for our debut episode, we metaphorically raised our backs to you all. Onwards to the next milestone. Don't, for, don't forget, you can get in touch via our Twitter account, at CricketScorers1, and if you have any questions, use the hashtag AskTheScorer. So typically, with the good weather, there is no cricket for any of us at the moment. Ordinarily, I would have been at the parks at Oxford University last Sunday, but uh, unfortunately, no cricket so far. What about yourselves? Well, I should be in the middle of a, a four-day championship game at New Road. We should be hosting Middlesex there, which would have been lovely. I could have welcomed Don Shelley to the score box, but not to be. Oh, it would have been probably an easy win for uh, Worcestershire as well, but uh, some things are just not meant to be. Um, I saw, I saw um, a picture of a young Don Shelley midweek, actually. He was looking very dapper. I have to uh, um, hunt it out and put it on our... Twitter feed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be good. Yes. Don may not be so happy about it, but uh, I did see I'm that. sure he will be if it's a young Don. <laughs> He's looking very, very dapper, I have to say. So, uh, yes, I'll, I'll find that out and put it down. I was due to be scoring, I think, a 50-over match yesterday for Old Wimbledonians against, I want to say, the Bank of England. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a sad situation, but you've got to make the best of what you can, haven't you? Absolutely. So uh, in the meantime, where there hasn't been any cricket, I've still managed to uh, to talk cricket. So I don't know whether anybody's uh, caught me on YouTube this week um, on the Runs Wickets Overs channel. Uh, I was doing a bit of a demonstration on Play Cricket Scorer Professional. So if anybody wants to, to join in this coming Wednesday, um, I'll be demonstrating the Duckworth-Lewis calculator on the PCS app. Oh, my word. So there we go. Ooh, excellent. <laughs> okay. That sounds like fun. Sounds like one you need a strong cup of tea for as well for the start of it, to work that one for Abs- <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I think the app is quite widely used, especially for the because it's got the standalone calculator in it. Um, so Because you don't have to be scoring while you're using the calculator, which is really useful. So, um, yeah, I think it could be quite popular. And yeah, the thing I really like about your YouTube channel, because I... Believe it or not, I'm actually virtual coaching on a Wednesday evening at the moment, um, so I can't make a lot of the sessions. But what's quite nice is that you can go in and then have a look and just sort of watch videos back on how to linear score as well. So I've quite liked that, and it's been good to sort of share with people when I bang on about scoring, actually, this is what linear is, because I haven't seen anything else out there which explains what scoring is about or what different types of scoring is about. So I think it's a really good... Um, sort of service that you're providing there especially during lockdown times for people just to get a bit of practice in and learn some new skills yeah. with scoring oh thank you well that's that's what we've aimed it at really is just in this lockdown period to to try and keep people talking about cricket and, and keep their their skills up to date so yeah i'm not sure whether we're planning on keeping it going forever but certainly at the moment yeah it's providing a bit of a service for, for anybody who's missing their cricket 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to say, I was, I'm in theory scoring a match this afternoon, a game of dice cricket um, for a radio or an independent um, cricket radio station called Gorilla Cricket. And I've just opened up the Play Cricket app and I was thinking, oh my life, what am I doing here? So that could be, uh, following this podcast, a bit of a, a sort of hasty quick try and work out what I'm doing here and uh, entering in the team names and stuff but it uh, should be quite lively and knowing the um, the guys at Gorilla Cricket should be uh, good fun as always so yes uh, if you've well I think by the time this podcast comes out we would probably have uh, sort of played the match but yeah do do have a look as well on Gorilla Cricket if you fancy looking at some uh, different types of scoring and of a cricket match it's uh, certainly going to be interesting. That, that sounds quite amazing. What happens then in dice cricket? So this is a voyage of discovery for me too. So from what I saw of their YouTube feed last time, they have like the little Zoom um, screens and it's all split in four. So they have two of the commentators, they have the scorer slash compare, um, then they have in the top left-hand corner a plate and then and literally a dinner plate and their um, sound engineer rolls the dice and then it has whatever sort of comes up on the dice so it has on one dice it has one two three four and six and how's that and then the other dice has the various modes of dismissal including a not out as well and uh, yeah so um if you fancy having a look at uh, dice cricket then uh, check us out on the youtube channel that could be quite interesting later um apologies sometimes the language can be a little bit choice on uh, gorilla cricket so if you have sensitive ears i think today we've got some quite fine upstanding gentlemen uh, commentating but there is the occasional uh, strong word so just a little bit of a warning there if you do sort of listen for the first time <laughs> Excellent. It sounds great fun. <laughs> it sounds quite fascinating. I think it will be. It's either going to go amazingly well or it's going to be uh, a, a bit spicy. But we shall see. We shall see. Up for anything you meet, especially if it means we get to score. So uh, the three of us, just to explain, normally uh, or occasionally we get to uh, update the scoreboards at Lords, And that's where the idea for this podcast was born. One rainy day, <laughs> when there was no cricket, uh, we came up with this idea and it's taken quite a while to get it off the ground. Um, but uh, so have you, either of you supposed to have been there recently? I was supposed to be there last weekend with Jules, actually. So we'd, I think we were due to spend... I was certainly there, supposed to be there for three or four other days. So, but uh, mm. And lots of other fixtures... Which are sadly going by the wayside. Yeah, um, it's one of those things where you look at your calendar for your phone. You go, "Oh yeah, I should should have been scoring Middlesex knots. Oh look, I've got a T Twenty game coming up. I should be scoring." So you put you in your calendar at the start of the year, and you realise, "Oh, it's not there." <laughs> now I remember a little while back uh, being at Lords um, during quite a high-profile game, uh, and they always have a cricketing celebrity who rings the bell at the start of play. Uh, and one day I can remember seeing Jules very smartly dressed in a yellow dress, if I remember rightly, um, and she was ringing the bell, uh, which was absolutely wonderful. Jules, could you tell us a bit more about that, please? Yeah, I was keeping it MCC with the dress. So I couldn't find, I think I have was wearing a red belt, but I was trying to keep as uh, MCC colours as possible. So yeah, I was uh, very, very lucky to have been awarded uh, Cricket Community Champion by the MCC, 
probably it's the first year that they ran it and it was about people or sort of rewarding and recognizing people that do sort of lots of stuff for cricket in the community and there were some amazing people on the shortlist that had done work at their grounds for you know, a good 50 years doing different bits and pieces um, and uh, whether that's making the tea, sorting out the grounds, being the scorers, being an umpire, or just a general all-round good egg. And uh, thanks to sort of a wonderful chap who um, does a lot of cricket at Dinton Cricket Club, um, a guy called Mike Sutliff. Um, he heard about this uh, award process and put me forward for some of the sort of cricket scoring stuff that I was doing at that time um, in Bucks. So that was running scoring courses and... Uh, various things to engage sort of young people especially young scorers into the game and bits and pieces I was doing in the county with girls cricket but also um, for stuff that I did with the charity Cricket Without Boundaries which is um, a charity that uses cricket as a way of delivering sort of social and health messaging in different countries so it started in um, East Africa in Rwanda and Uganda and Kenya and then we sort of branched out we've got Cameroon we've got Botswana um, and then we've done more recently stuff in Jordan and we're about to start stuff in Brazil. So it was, yeah, it was one of those, that was the background to it. And I have to say, when I looked at the shortlist, I was sort of thinking, oh, crikey, there's some people here that have done some amazing things with cricket. And I've only been sort of doing stuff like really for the past sort of 10 years. But it was, it was nice to be recognised. Um, and I have to say, and I always say this to people, I never realised how loud that bell was. And you kind of think it does make sense that it's loud, so it reverberates around Lords. But I did the first dung of the bell, and it just went boof, and I literally, I remember flinching back because it was so loud, and then thinking, well, I'm going to have to give this to the right old Raz, because otherwise people are not going to hear it. Um, but yeah, it was one of those, people asked me about it, and I have to say that it was not a blur far from it but it was it was one of those days where if you could have a dream day of cricket apart from the fact that England completely collapsed but we'll come back to that later um it was just amazing in terms of being up in the MCC chairman's box in terms of meeting um various um cricket dignitaries so I was there pretty sure it was Matt Fleming at the time and then sort of meeting various people and sort of shaking. I shook so many hands that day. It was unreal. Um, and then going up into the media centre and then being interviewed by Bumble, which was unreal. So he kind of did this oh, whole wow. thing up in the media centre where we were like panellist guests and he was sort of mocking it up. So he was doing his usual Lancastrian jokes and stuff, which was amazing. And it was hard not to completely collapse in giggles as we were sort of doing a mock of cricket analysis thing. Um, and then we got to meet some of the Test Match special team. They were quite, majority of them were quite nice. Um, and then had a quite a nice conversation actually with uh, Ed Smith, which I you know if I... If I meet Ed Smith again, I must make sure I haven't had a couple of glasses of wine before meeting him just because his brains and intellect are like, oh, my life, I, I just need a strong cup of tea and I'm with you. I'll try and join you as he's off on some sort of ethereal uh, cricket thing. So, yeah, it was it was quite the experience. Um, I think at the time, um, don't get me wrong, I absolutely appreciated sort of being nominated and being recognised. But I think looking back now, it's kind of, and talking about it, you kind of sort of realise, I think at the time I was maybe the fifth or sixth woman to have done the bell. And the people before me were absolute legends of the game, like Claire Taylor and, and Charlotte Edwards. So it's a bit sort of, 
some bird from Luton that's done a bit of cricket in the community. Um, it was just seemed a bit of a surreal situation, but you know, it is what it is. Um, and they still keep running the award, which is really, really good. Um, because I think there's so many unsung heroes. I'm not including myself with that because to be honest with you, I'm just jazzing around with cricket for the past 10 years and sort of fallen on my feet with a few things. But there are some amazing people that sort of give up their time to do what they can to grow cricket and to develop cricket. And they do this over a number of years. And I think I heard an interesting stat once, that like about 90% of cricket is run by volunteers or something along those lines. Yeah, and I, I think, think right. yeah, absolutely. whatever we can do... Um, to recognise, support and reward the volunteers that make cricket happen um, and for people to just be able to be involved and in whatever that is, is absolutely vitally important. So, yeah, it should be sort of encouraged and especially at this time as well. I see lots of things on the internet where people are raising funds for their club or they're doing sort of, I don't know, charity events online or sort of race nights online or bingo just to sort of raise some funds for the club. And you're thinking they don't have to do that, but they're taking the time out to try and support the clubs during this really difficult time to make sure cricket can still continue to be played. So hopefully I think, you know, those guys will get recognised for all that they're doing to keep their clubs going in future years. Mm, That sounds great. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how long ago was this? And it was during a test match, wasn't it? It was, I'm just trying to think, it was, I want to say 2017. Um, And it was a one-day international. It was England versus Ah, South Africa. And by the time I dung the bell and managed to get back up to my seat again, I think England lost about five wickets and it was only about 20 minutes. So that was why it was quite... The amount of people, I came back that evening and I had numerous text messages and tweets saying, don't ever you dare ring the bell at Lords again. Look at that. What a state... (laughs) We left it in your hands and that's what happened. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a lesson learned for everybody. So you you mentioned um, the charity Cricket Without Boundaries uh, and lots of um, African countries. Can you tell us a little bit more about the charity and what they do? And have you been out to those countries with them? Yeah, so um, as I was saying, Cricket Without Boundaries is it uses cricket games and we'll come back to that in a second, um, as a way of um, talking about social ill health messaging in the community. So it was founded by um, three guys that travelled from Cairo to Cape Town and were just doing it as a bit of a jazz holiday after their um, studies to be lawyers um, and to play cricket in different countries. And the, the thing that they found was that quite a lot of people were being affected by the HIV pandemic that was ongoing and really affecting communities in the country. So what they started to do was use cricket as a way of breaking down stigmas. So getting HIV positive, HIV negative kids and adults as well playing together, but also to raise awareness um, of HIV and what people could do to try and sort of protect themselves and you know support themselves. So what is it then developed on to being is sort of a charity that worked in, I can't remember the country now, so Uganda, Kenya, Rwanda and Botswana initially, um, working along with the cricket boards. And they would go and do sort of cricket-like skills. So there'd be catching skills and teaching people how to properly catch a ball like you would do in cricket. But for mm. example, where you would say you protect your hands 
um, no crocodile catches, so like that, but you have like a sort of nice sort of wide, I can't demonstrate it on Zoom, but nice sort of wide hands um, and not sticking your fingers out. But you protect your hands like you protect yourself in life and wear a condom, for example, because um, condom is one of the ABC's messages, which is abstain, be faithful, and if all else fails, wear a condom. So it's it's one of those, it's a UNAIDS message. So it's abstain from sex, but you try and tell a 15-year-old lad to abstain from sex, it's a bit difficult. So you sort of abstain from cheating on your um, wife or abstain from excessive drinking, which could lead to sort of bad behaviours. Be faithful is be faithful to one partner. You've got C, which is condom. And then you've got the added ones, which is testing. So know your status, which given everything that's going on at the moment with COVID, you'll see quite a lot of um, health experts talking about testing. Um, and that's so vital just to know um, what the, your health position is, because once you know, you can then get treatment and then you can then support others. So we'll have cricket games where, like I say, we'll do the catching drill. And then we say, right, we're now going to go and do a test. I like the fact I'm doing all the actions, like I'm sort of doing a session with the kids. <laughs> but we're now doing a test. And um, what we would then do is say, right, you've got to do um, 20 catches, um, high five your partner, make sure you're faithful to your partner and throw the ball accurately to them, protect your fingers at all times and abstain from wild throws. And then you'd, you'd fit the messages in that way and you do fun games of cricket. Um, and then we would hold sort of festivals and tournaments. But it's not just playing cricket and having mass participation events. I mean, the projects that we initially do go out there for two weeks at a time. Um, and then what we will do is train up teachers, cricket coaches, people within the community with no background in cricket and sometimes no background in sport to be able to then deliver um, basic cricket drills and fit in the messages and then they will continue going on to deliver and I think key to our sort of delivery model especially in these countries is having ambassadors so they're cricket coaches which are part with the cricket association of that country and then part with CWB and they go into schools and youth centres and do deliver the program sort of week in and week out and I think the beauty about the charity as the name suggests is without boundaries so when I joined in 2012 2013 I joined because I was a cricket enthusiast and I was a scorer but I wasn't a player and I wasn't a coach and I never had played apart from with my dad and my sister in the back garden um, and sort of going out there they were just sort of it's absolutely fine that you've never played before sort of the main thing is that you're sort of prepared to do that. And you don't need to be an extrovert either, um, even though I am. But we have, you know, it's, it's a, it's, like I said, it's a charity for all people because it's, you know, you can have sometimes the best conversations you can have is one-on-one -on -one with someone. And then you've got someone else like myself who's the mouth almighty sort of running around with 500 kids in a field with cricket balls or tennis balls. So there's that. And then... Charity is growing, so we've gone over to Cameroon, um, which is great because you get to do um, cricket in French, uh, which is always quite interesting, <laughs> um, or the Cameroon coaches do it, uh, which has led to me playing an international game of cricket, which was something to be beholding and having to do a national anthem, sing the national anthem. Um, which was quite fun. So, you know, you see at the start of like games where people line up and they all sing the anthems. 
Um, yes. We had Brilliant. that with a kind of a slightly out of tune brass band playing the national anthem, which was just, <laughs> and the best thing about it, I mean, to be fair, the brass band did blooming well because it was a bloody hot day and we were playing, it was in the capital Yondi, but we were with, they were like, oh, okay, we're going to link you up with some of the Commonwealth embassies because there's only like, we were quite a small team. So they linked us up with, I think, the Australian and the New Zealand embassy, which meant the New Zealanders were fine, but the Australians weren't so happy about singing God Save the Queen, I have to say. <laughs> which amused me greatly. Um, and the Kiwis are just, you know, typical Kiwis, just humble, kept it kind and just sort of smiled. Yeah. But it was uh, quite a fun game, and I was quite relieved that we didn't play over hardball because that pitch was just something else. Um, so I have visited all the countries that we do our projects in, and there's, you know, mm. it's there's the overarching thing where you you know you're working with kids and the similarities, and you're talking about HIV awareness and breaking down stigmas, getting boys and girls playing together, so everyone's on an equal basis. Um, but each country has its certain nuance as well. I mean, as we speak about and talk about Rwanda, but a lot of the work that we do there is actually, you know, it's sort of um, building sort of more of a community spirit, probably nearly 30 years on from when the genocide was and how cricket is being used in the country to get people playing together. Um, in the work we do with Kenya, um, we've worked in the past with um, the Maasai cricket warriors who, as you can imagine, dress up in Maasai gear and play cricket. But their yeah. whole work is to raise awareness um, about gender equality um, and supporting girls within their community rather than them being married off at a young age and not going to school because they realise that actually if girls or women end up sort of dying young, which invariably happens with various practices such as FGM, which is female genital mutilation, if that goes wrong, it can be quite savage. Um, wow. That to actually make sure the girl gets an education, is supported, uh, means that their Maasai culture and traditions and the safe ones um, can continue. And they just use cricket as a way of basically um, having a little bit of a niche on it and getting people to um, sort of understand and recognise what they can do. More recently, um, we've started to do work, so we've come from being sort of CWB Africa to being a CWB Global. So we started to do work in Jordan, working with refugee community, um, and that's been absolutely fascinating. Um, slightly spicy at times because we've coached very close to the Syrian border. Um, so we're in sort of camps or sort of host communities, which is probably the best way to describe it is um, sort of towns and cities which are in Jordan, but they have quite a large population of people that are displaced from Syria going out and sort of being in the community, so to speak. And what is cricket is being used for there is more just to build um, a social sort of togetherness because it is very um, segregated. This person's a Syrian, this person's Palestinian, this person's Jordanian, the split schooling, there's a bit of resentment because, I mean, Jordan is a relatively stable country around a lot of other countries where, for want of a better word, it's all kicking off. Um, and using cricket there has been just a way of bringing people together, but actually for those that have been really affected, just a way of using, uh, you know, cricket as a sort of cathartic tool. 
Um, I wasn't actually at this session, but um, a couple of my colleagues were. Um, we were doing some work actually in, in Oman with um, a school there. But um, the guys were coaching and it was probably within about a mile of the border and with kids that have literally just been displaced from Syria. And there's a game that we do where we get kids to write down what are their fears, what are their worries, what are their concerns on a, on a whiteboard. Um, and then they put them next to some stumps and then they get tennis balls and they'll throw them at the stumps just as sort of like an aim, sort of target throwing. Um, and essentially what happened, I think, because they talked about their fears and their worried, worries and they talked about the Assad regime and everything they experienced and sort of losing friends and family or, you know, they don't know quite where they are. They wrote it down. Some of them threw the balls and then the rest sort of charged and started sort of taking up stumps and stuff. Um, but they actually they found it as a way of getting information, sort of a lot of the charities and humanitarian organisations of a way of getting information out of the kids by generating that discussion. Um, and then if they, with all the sort of, I'll put it in inverted commas, anger, but upset that they had, they could then find ways to support them and get sort of psychological support within mm. the community. And they were saying that, you know, cricket had been quite a good way of generating those discussions and conversations that they've never been able to do before. And, you know, we've we've done a couple of other sort of quite similar, not similar, but um, other ways that we've done that um, in the UK as well, working with um, predominantly girls um, from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, again, that don't have the opportunity to speak or just sort of tentative and nervous about speaking. Um, and, you know, doing a whole sort of facilitation of whiteboard discussion um, and building up a rapport in a safe space by playing cricket, um, you know, wow. managed to find quite a few things out about them, which means that actually then they can go and get the right support that they're needed. Whereas, you know, in the time before, they've, they've not been able to do that through just having a general discussion. So it kind of shows... You know, it's a bit more than just jazzing around in a nice sort of, well, sometimes a nice foreign country and um, playing cricket. But actually what cricket can do um, and the power of cricket to, you know, try and help not just deliver some good in the community, but actually support people that need supporting and um, also, you know, help facilitate that support. And it's also great fun just running around with a bunch of kids in a tennis ball. It's amazing what can be done. <laughs> and you get to, I mean, I've coached in some amazing places and I think, you know, I think I've probably, at the time you don't realise it, but then you sort of look back and I was thinking about this this morning on a run and I was thinking, crikey, I've coached kids probably in the lowest place on earth, right by like in a sort of a football pitch near to the Dead Sea. I've coached in top mm -hmm. of a rooftop in a Palestinian refugee camp. Um, wow. I've played a national game of cricket. Um, <laughs> seen cricket played in a church because there was no safe space to play um, cricket in the community, which was sure. which was unreal. They pulled all the pews back, and then they played yeah. like a little sort of ad hoc game of cricket. So there's all like these girls running around. It was this was up in Durham, <laughs> just playing cricket. And you're thinking you never, it's one of those things that it's complete world away from having a green um, pitch and, you know, blokes in white and an umpire. It's yeah. all very twee. This is, it literally, it's, it's, it's mad cricket, but it is great fun. It's fascinating. Yeah, it, it is fascinating, but it sounds as though you've had some amazing experiences, but done some phenomenal work. I, I 
would have had no idea that that you could use it to to get the information out of the children like you're saying because they they don't realize i guess that it's it's a sort of serious discussion there they're more relating it to the game so that they're more likely to talk yeah absolutely Gosh, it's, yeah. and it's not just running around with cricket balls as well i mean sometimes you get kids that they just you know like in this any country they don't want to play or run around with tennis balls so if that's the case it's actually quite fun so i can then get them doing scoring so you know in cameroon i got um taught a really rascal way of um scoring which is i call it the cameroonian box method which i did have a picture um of but i've lost it so i'll have to sort of mock up another um sort of drawing of it but we were doing counting the runs um that were being scored by the team and this kid literally got a stick. It was quite a muddy ground that we're playing on. And he was literally drawing a box. But it was like one side of the box for one run, one side of the box for the next run, and then one side of the box for the next run. And then once five runs were scored, it's a diagonal. And then he'd build it up. So we were able to do count the runs on one okay. side and count the wickets on the other side, which was brilliant, which I've sometimes used like in a very sort of quick sort of kids match. Um, that I've been sort yeah. of doing um, and we've run umpiring scoring courses as well because like like you say if, if there's a way of bringing on and developing the game that's great I did once do a scoring yeah. course in Rwanda where they told me that it was a modern technology college and they had all mod cons so I thought oh crikey yeah. I'm gonna have powerpoint and stuff like that I had a blackboard and chalk so this was one of the first projects I went out <laughs> there, <laughs> and uh, I've got the pictures in my backdrop on the um, on my actual main tw- my own Twitter page. But at the end of it, one of the scorers um, what got out his DJ decks and decided that he was going to celebrate having a scoring course by having them prompt you to the DJ set, which meant that all the other scorers were then treated to like this musical extravaganza of Afrobeat. <laughs> So it's different. Certainly sounds it. It really does. Brilliant. Wow. Right. Well, thank you, Jules. That that really was interesting. I learnt a lot in that. So um, and and it sounds as though that your charity does a does a huge amount of work. Um, So yeah, give it another plug there. Uh, Tell us the name of it again. Yeah. So the charity's called Cricket Without Boundaries. Um, We're pretty much all volunteer led. Um, with our ambassadors who are working sort of day in, day out in country, although when they can, although I am starting to see pictures of them doing social distance coaching again um, with very small numbers. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's, they're having to obviously adhere to government guidelines, but they're, they're wanting to get back yeah. coaching. So yeah, Cricket About Boundaries. If you fancy joining us on a project, then come and check us out on our webpage. If you fancy donating, then that's all on there and you can find out all the stories and all our blogs and pictures so you can see a bit more about what we do. Excellent. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Jules. Okay, shall we move into our our final section um, in the podcast, which um, is Ask the Scorer. Uh, And last week, um, I posed a question at the uh, end of the session, um, which we said we'd answer this week. So... I'm going to remind you of that question and then I'm going to hope that um, Jules and Brian might have an answer for me. (laughs) So my question was, um, I I described a little bit of a scenario where um, team one had already batted and they'd made 245. Team two 
were also on 245 and they'd lost eight wickets when uh, the batsman hit the ball. The, the batsman that was on strike was currently on 98. He hit the ball and uh, they ran two. But what I asked was, what was the result of the match? What was the final score? And how many runs did that batsman end up on? Well, unfortunately for the batsman, the uh, the match is over when one run is scored. So the batsman remains stranded on 99. Yeah. Of course, the only time that would be different is if a, uh, a boundary had been scored and they hadn't completed the one run for victory. Excellent, yes. Um, the batsman would have been very disappointed, you're right. Um, but but when that one run is scored, the fact that they w- went on to run another one um, you, yeah, is completely irrelevant. So with just that one run being scored, that took the total to 246 for eight. So the result of the match is... Um, T2-1 by two wickets. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say as well. Excellent. Yes, I agree with that. So because it was the side bat in second who won, um, we define it as a number of wickets, not as a number of runs. So with eight wickets down, yes, team two won by um, two wickets. And interestingly, that that ties back to the question that we did answer last week, which was how to score um, a stumped off a wide dismissal. Um, Because if that had happened in that scenario, instead of them attempting two runs, if that had happened in that scenario, it would have been a similar result that only the, the, the wide would have counted as a run and therefore would have finished the game, which means that the stumping... Uh, would not have, have counted. So the result would still have been 246 for eight and they would still have won by two wickets. So that stumping would have been completely ignored and we might have had a very upset wicketkeeper if he'd done a good bit of work there. Do either of you two have a question for us this week? I think Brian might have had one. I do have one, yes. What we'd like to know is what is the difference in scoring-wise between... A batsman who retires from being injured, uh, unable to uh, unable to carry on his innings, and a batsman that decides that he scored enough runs, and therefore he doesn't want to take doesn't want to bat anymore, and he wants to give one of his teammates another go. Typically, you would see that in probably a pre-season friendly, before the league stuff happens. So, what is the difference in your scorebook? We're going to assume a box scoring system, I think, for this, but. Of course, we can cover Linear and PCS Pro as well. Um, but what would be the difference in those scenarios and how would you record them? OK, so we'll we'll hold that thought until the next episode and we will come back and answer that one for you uh, in the next episode. Thank you, Brian. Um, if you want to uh, ask any questions, if you want to sort of pose a question for Ask the Scorer, then we do have our... Cricket Scorers and Tallied Twitter account. You can always put a question in there and we'll keep an eye on it. And we also have um, a Cricket Scorers and Tallied email address, which off the top of my head I can't remember, but I'm sure that I think Jules might remember that one. It's cricketscorersandtallied at gmail.com. If you want to ask a question in this section uh, 
further or for a future episode, then please do drop us an email to that address. Uh, if you want to know any more about any of the things that we've talked about today, then uh, again, put something in our Twitter feed or drop us an email uh, and hopefully we will include something uh, in a future episode for you. Now, uh, we put some photographs on the Twitter account last week of the different scoring methods that we had um, talked about during that episode. And it was really great to see um, another um, picture put up there by one of our listeners, uh, Mike Turner, uh, because we talked about when linear scoring that you didn't have um, or, or top and bottom scoring in both. You don't get uh, anywhere to cross off the tally. Uh, and Mike Turner put a, a picture in there of a sheet that he was given that could be used um, for that purpose. Uh, so, so you could use it for uh, accounting the runs when you're using a top and bottom system. So um, we're very grateful for Mike to Mike for sharing that with us. Um, and if you want to have a look at it, then um, take a look at our Twitter account. Hey. And hopefully be back to see you again or to speak to you again next week in episode three. So thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jules. Thank you. Bye-bye for now. Thank you all. Goodbye. Bye.